God bless you, Mosaic. God is good, amen? Really quick, before we get into the Word, would you just begin to talk to God in your own words? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We haven't come for a worship or a word. We came for you. Without you, this isn't a church, God. Without you, this isn't the place we want to be. And so, Lord, we take a second just to thank you that you're in the room, Lord. Thank you that you're here, God. Our life is different because of you, Lord. Our life has changed, so we love you. We praise you. You are worthy of the highest praise. You are worthy of all of our attention, God. And so we give it to you right now, my Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you, Lord Jesus. You are the Alpha and the Omega, God. You are the Lion of the tribe of Judah. You are the King, the king that's coming back, and we're waiting for you, Lord. And so we love you this morning. We honor you, Jesus. We praise your holy name, Lord. Your word says you enthrone yourself on the praises of your people. So, God, we're building your throne right now, Lord. We build a throne for you, God. Fill out home in this place. Rest in this place, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We make no mistake why we're here, God. We're here to see you. One glimpse of you, Jesus, is able to change our lives forever, God. And so we say, come, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, reveal the Son of God to us. We want more of you, God. More of you in this place, Jesus. We love you. And Father, as we get into the word, God, we just ask that you anoint our ears and our hearts for your word is already anointed, Lord. We pray, God, that the world will find places in our hearts, God, to grow, to be fruitful, Lord. We don't want to waste our time or our life, God. We don't like wasting our Sundays, and so we're waiting for you, Jesus. We are a thirsty people. We are a hungry people. We are a desert, Lord, and we need your water. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God is good. Amen. Come on, give God a hand. Thank you, brother. You're amazing. So good. God bless you. My name is Pastor Jacob. I'm one of the lead pastors at Hoff Church. First, I want to say a couple of things. One, I just want to say I love your pastors. Your pastors are super amazing people. Pastor Jack is a mentor to me. I met him maybe seven, eight years ago. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, he was a youth pastor. Um, and our youth groups would uh, come together. And I just want to say he's a man of God. I love him so much. I'm so glad that they're taking time. Amen. The Bible says that the pastors are a gift to the kingdom of God. They are a gift to the church. And the way that we honor God the most is by taking care of our gifts. Amen. And so you taking care of your pastors the way that you have, I just want to commend you for being such an awesome church. I also want to say three years ago, I was standing right up here, not as a lead pastor, not even as a youth pastor. I was a, a person just standing up here hoping to open a church. And this was the first place that was, uh, Pastor Jack was the first pastor that said, listen, uh, we want to give to you planting. And so we've planted our church for now two and a half years. We're about to be three years in September. Praise God. Amen. And I just want to say to Mosaic Life Church, thank you for your gift. Your seed gift to us has hundreds of people giving their life to Jesus. There's fruit in the kingdom of God because of your gift. And so I just want to say personally, thank you. Thank you so much. Today, uh, the sermon that I'm, I'm preaching or the talk that I'm giving is called Full Access. Full Access. Will you tell your neighbor Full Access? We have 
full access to the presence of God. And so I want to talk about God's presence this morning, but I'm not talking about his omnipresence. We all understand that God is everywhere at all times. Amen? The Bible says, even if I make my bed in shoal, you will be there. And so we know that God is everywhere, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God's manifest presence. I'm talking about the tangible presence of God. I'm talking about that you're in the room and you realize that he's in the room. And so that's what I want to talk about today, that you and I, as Christians, as people that follow Jesus, have full access to the tangibility of the Lord, that you can realize him in the room and be changed forever because of it. Now, it's also something that we run towards least because we might not fully understand that God wants to reveal himself to us. How many know that the greatest time throughout the week is in corporate worship on a Sunday? At least for me, I, I can't wait till we all worship together. The Bible says that in heaven, when we're done with this life, we will all be together worshiping. Amen? And so we ought to get used to worshiping together in this place. Amen? Because one day, you'll, it, it will be part of who you are to worship the Lord together. And in those places when, where God is enjoyed, where God is praised and not just endured, when, where, where, where God is not just a, another thing we got to do, like, hey, I go on church on Sundays, I go to work on Monday, Tuesday I got this, and Wednesday I got that. But when God is seen as the central point for our lives and his presence is something that's important to us, then our lives will change forever. Then we might seek more of him and not just what he gives us, Amen. How many have friends and they're only your friends because they give you gifts? That would be a terrible friend, right? It's like, nah, you can't be my friend until you give me another gift, bro. Like, I'll give you another month of my friendship if you give me another gift. And I fear that a lot of times that's how we live our Christian life. God, I thank you for what you've given me. And God said, but I gave you me. But you have me. Yeah, God, but I need your protection. I need your provision. We're going to get into that. But I'm here just to encourage you. You have full access to God. And where I want to start is way at the beginning. And so would you go with me to Genesis chapter 3? Say amen if you're blessed. Awesome. Say amen if you love Jesus. Come on. I know you're not here to waste your Sunday. Amen. It would be terrible to waste a Sunday. And so this is what I'm asking. I don't have a long time up here. Uh, they said, listen, you got to hurry and hurry. I'm joking. They didn't say anything. I have a few moments with you. And so this is what I'm asking. So that we, we, in, so that we honor each other, would you just lean in for the next 20, 25 minutes? Amen. Would you lean in and allow God to speak to your heart? Because I believe it's enough to change your life. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. And, and I just want to give you some context. Adam and Eve had just bitten of the fruit. Okay, this is right after they ate the fruit. God says, listen, there's only one tree you don't eat from. This is the tree that you don't eat from. And the Bible says that the enemies twist the words of God. How many know the enemies still twisting the word of God? Amen. And he twists the word of God and Eve eats of it, gives it to Adam. And Adam eats of it. And this is the verses right after that they eat of it. It says, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Listen to this. It's very detailed for a purpose. It says they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, 
Where are you? And I want to submit to you that the life that you see around you, the world that you see outside this church and outside God's people is a world that looks like it's been hiding from God's presence. The reason this world is in chaos and in destruction is because it follows another rhythm. It follows another order. The Bible says that all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's because they hide from the presence of God. I promise you God gets scary when you begin to look at your own sin. And that's the reason why people hide. You know, I used to be a youth pastor, and during the youth services, when I'd call an altar call, the bathroom would be full. And the reason is because people hide from God's presence. They don't want to be close to it because they feel the guilt and shame of their own lives. Amen? But I'm here to encourage you. You have access to his presence. He handled sin on the cross. Amen? And so, listen, this is what a world looks like outside of God's presence. There's no love. There's no peace. There's destruction. There's chaos. There's no order. And so we, I just want to submit also that we were made to be in the presence of the Lord. You and I were created to dwell in God's presence. That's why when sin came into the world, we hide from it. Because it's not our home. Our home is God's presence. Sin is not, our, this, sin is not a thing that we should grasp onto. Sin is something we run from towards God's presence. Amen? And so Adam and Eve hide from the presence of the Lord. And God begins to set up his plan for redemption. God not only wants to save your soul, but he wants to bring you back to who he is. He wants to bring you back to him. Amen? You and I were created to dwell with God within his presence. And so God sets up a redemption plan, and he tells Adam, don't worry, Adam. I will come back for you. My seed will destroy the head of the enemy, and I will get you. And so God begins to set up this plan through men like Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon. God sets this plan up so that one day we might be in his presence, okay? And every time God talks to a man about his plan, this is the promise that he gives them. You can go and read it. Go through, read your Bible, amen? <laughs> like, I encourage you to read your Bible and read the stories of Abraham. Read the story of Moses. Read the story of David. God made this promise to all of them, and this is what he says. I will be with you. He told Moses, go and tell the Egyptians that I need my people to come out, and I will be with you. He told David, David, do what you need to do, and I will be with you. He told Samuel, Samuel, gather the people and tell them to come back to me, and I will be with you. Everywhere you start seeing these plans of God, God is promising the thing that we lost in the garden. He promises his presence. I want to jump to a part of the Moses story where God tells Moses something specific about what he wants to do. Now, the, the children of Israel had just sinned against God. The Bible says that they created an idol out of the gold, and even Aaron, the priest, says something silly. He says, listen, this is the God that took us out of Egypt. And so Moses talks to God on Mount Sinai, and God wakes him up one day, and this is what he says in Exodus 33, 1 through 3. Say amen if you're blessed. Amen. You know, it's cool to shout like, amen, I'm with you, say it again, amen. It's cool that we have a conversation, all right? You don't have to be afraid. You won't throw me off, I promise you, okay? I might say what you just say, right? Like, amen, I'll be like, amen, all right? So we're good here, we're comfortable, amen? Listen, I'm not sitting on any laurels. I'm just here to give a word from the Lord. 
I don't pretend like I know anything. I'm just here to give God's word, and then we can be done. Amen? And so would you just, let's just join together and get it in, and I promise you God's going to speak to us clearly. Exodus 33, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Moses, Moses on Mount Sinai, depart. Go up from here, and you and the people who have brought you up out of the land of Egypt and to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. God tells them, Moses, go to the promised land. Go to the promised land. That's what he says. I will send an angel before you. I will drive out all the ites, right? Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Pezites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. God says, listen, you can go to the promised land. And this is what we're all hoping for, right? We're all hoping for the rest of the promised land. That's, what we're, that's our prayer. God, one day we will be with you in the promised land. One day, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, the trumpets will sound, and we will be with him forever. Amen? And so the promise is like, man, we're going to get to the promised land. But God tells Moses, listen, you're going to go to the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. Because of the sin of the people, my presence can't dwell with you. I will destroy you on the way. The Bible says that after this, Moses and the people are panicking. Uh, they begin to tear off their ornaments. They begin to, you know, just kind of self-destruct, and they're worried. They're going to go to the promised land, but God's not going to go with them. And the Bible says that Moses sets up a tent of meeting. And every day, Moses is going in this tent, and he's meeting with God. And this is some of the conversation that, we have with the, that he has with the Lord. It's going to be Exodus 33, 15 through 16. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you. Amen. He's like, he sounds thirsty. He sounds thirsty. Let me get him a water. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you. 33, 15, and 16. This, listen to what Moses tells God. And he said to him, Moses tells God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I found favor in your sight and I in your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, every other people on the face of the earth? Listen to what he says. God, if your presence isn't with us, how are we different than anybody else in the world? And I'm asking the church, how do you, what do you think makes you different from the world? The presence of God. This is amazing, though. This is what he tells God. God says, listen, I will send an angel for you, and he will kill every army. This is a hilarious thing that we're always worried about what this world is bringing to us. If God sends one angel, all our enemies are done. Forget an angel. If he sends Jesus, it's game over. Amen? It's game over already, but you know what I mean. He says, I will send one angel and kill all these people in front of you, so I will protect you. And when you get to the land, it's going to be flow of milk and honey. So I will provide for you, but I won't go with you. And this is what Moses says. God, you can keep your provision. You can keep your protection. We need your presence. I want you to think about this. Our prayers are constantly protection, provision. God, provide for us, keep us safe. Provide for us and keep us safe. Our prayers should be, God, we don't care about protection and provision. We need your presence. Because in your presence, I'm fully protected. In your presence, I'm fully provided for. Even if I don't have a physical meal, my soul is feeding on your presence. That's what I was made for. I was made to dwell in God's presence. And so all the protection I need is found in his presence. All the eating I need is found in his presence. Amen? Jesus says, I have food you have no idea about. What do you think he was talking about? Walking within the presence of God. 
And so Moses says, God, keep your protection, keep your provision. We need your presence. It's what makes us different on this earth. Right after this, God begins to tell Moses his plan on how his presence will roam with the people, okay? And he says, you got to build this tabernacle, right? And if you read these chapters, it's so detailed on how God's like, listen, this is how you're going to build it. It's going to be six feet wide, whatever. You know, he just begins to give the details. And and then God begins to dwell with people in tents. He he dwells with people in tabernacles, right? In, In one tabernacle. And the Bible says that the way that the children of Israel were laid out their camp was surrounding this tent where God dwelt. So the camp surrounded the presence of God. I would ask and request to you as a church from a pastor of another church to say, would you make your Sunday's camp around God's presence? Let's not come for songs. Let's not come for word. We're coming for God himself. And if you come for God himself on a Sunday, I promise you what you're going to get is God himself. Amen? This place will be popping crazy if we'll come for God's presence. God, we're here for you. And so Moses puts God in a tent. Well, God says, listen, I'll dwell with you in a tent. And then when David comes around, David's like, forget the tent, God. We want to build you a house. We want to build you a place that you can rest forever with us. We want you a a temple for you, Lord. David says, God, I see a temple for you. So God's like, all right, but you can't build it. Your son will build it. And the Bible says that the children of Israel begin to just bring about supplies for the house and the temple, and the temple is built, and it's like the most amazing temple. They say, you know, historians say, like not Christian historians, like in the world historians say that Solomon's temple is probably the most expensive thing ever built ever on earth. So much gold that they had to say, stop giving gold. It's the most beautiful temple, right? And, and when you read scriptures, it's so amazing that you read the historians, even in the Bible, and they talk about how beautiful this temple is. There was nothing like it. And when it was open, the presence of God dwelt in there. The Bible says that the Shekinah glory filled the temple. And then it gets destroyed, and they build a new one. And so God is God is dwelling in this huge temple. And in this temple, this is what they do. Because God is so holy and our sin before God will be destroyed. It will destroy us if God's presence was fully glaring on our sin. And so what they had to do is they had to build this gigantic veil. When you read the uh, historians on how big this temple was, uh, this uh, veil was, it was over 200 feet tall. When you read like the times of Jesus, when you read about him going to the temple and that temple was massive. If you go to Israel, there's still walls of that temple built up. And so it's gigantic. And so this veil is like 200 feet tall, 10 inches wide, 50 men to move it around. And so it's heavy. And so that no one can just chill on it and fall into God's presence. And so this thing is massive. And now God is dwelling behind a veil amongst men until Jesus. Our sin Our sin causes us to hide from God's presence. And then one came who never hid from God's presence. His name is Jesus. The Bible says that when he came, in John 1.14, it says that he tabernacled with us. What does that mean? That he himself was God's presence on the earth. Jesus himself. The Bible says that Jesus would go and pray to God alone. And get alone with the Lord to be in that place of surrender. How many times do you think we ought to do that? Every hour, amen? If it took Jesus, if Jesus had to get alone with God, what do you think we need to do? Not get alone, right? No, get alone. 
So Jesus, even his name, what's his name? When, they, when, Jesus, when the prophecy is given that his name shall be Emmanuel, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. That's God's presence. His presence, his name will be God's presence. And so Jesus comes, lives a perfect life, a life that we ought to live. He lives a righteous life, and then he dies on the cross. And we're going to run to that, Matthew 27, 50, 51. And I want you to see what the death of Jesus has done for your life and my life, okay? Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We praise you, God. We don't stop worshiping you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. And Jesus cried out with, again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. This is his death, okay? This is the recording of the death of the Lord. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Remember, this is 200 feet tall. And so from the top of it to the bottom, it's torn. What does that mean? That means that because of what Jesus did on the cross, our sin has been forgiven. Amen? That also means now we have full access to God. Every single day you have access to the presence of the Lord. And what I'm asking is, how are we going to change the world if that's not the place that we're resting in? I want you to know that if you fall in love with being in God's presence, I promise you, you'll fall out of love with sin. You know the sins that we do that no one knows, the thoughts that we have that no one knows? God is able to take those things and destroy them in his presence because you fall in love with something else. You know, sin is only loving something else other than God. It's missing the mark. It's actually saying, God, you're not needed right now. My desires and passions is what I live for. But in God's presence, you find another passion. His name is Jesus. You find another place to find home. His name is Jesus. In God's presence, I'm talking about when you're in your car, listening to gyro or you're in your in your room with the music on and you're worshiping God and God begins to show up in that place daily and he will daily I promise you when you walk out of those moments with the Lord it's transforming it changes the way you walk it changes the way you talk it changes the way you think it actually makes you a child of God Anointing, you know what anointing means? It means rubbing, right? That's what anointing means, okay? And so anytime thing was, anything was anointed, it just meant that you were rubbed, right? Well, what do you think happens when you stand in God's presence? You are rubbed on by God. And so you walk around with the anointing of the Lord. We're good, bro. Yep. And so I'm here just to in, invite you, Mosaic Life. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here, here just to tell you, you have full access to God's presence. It's the least utilized gift that God has given us. I think what we do more than anything, we pray for everything else, but God's calling us to pray for that place that we will rest with him. God said, would you get alone with me? Would you be at home with me? Would you make me your lifestyle, not just something you do on a Sunday? The Bible calls us the temple of God. If we are the temple of God, then God's presence needs to rest in us. Amen? How, uh, how, many, uh, how many are under 21 in here? Raise your hand. Anybody? No? Okay. Okay, I see you, bro. Are you 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, less? Bro, you look 21, bro. I don't believe you. I got to see your ID. You don't even have an ID at 14 or whatever you are. I don't believe it. That's crazy. But when I was 18 years old, so one year older than the church producer here, when I was 18 years old, I was living in Arizona with my dad, and I came to uh, Sacramento for a week. 
and I was supposed to go from Sunday to Saturday. I was going to leave Saturday, go back home. I was visiting home here, and on that Thursday, I was driving 99 South, right by that Kaiser, and I was talking to this person in my car, and I wasn't paying attention to the road, and all of a sudden, I hit the lady, this person in front of us. The car, like, went under her car, so she had like a tall truck, and I had a, we were, I was driving like a, a smaller car, and it went under, and so the full, the full front, you know, pushed in, and I've never been in a car accident in my life, and so I was so scared, and the lady like drives off to the side, and I kind of feel like, okay, I should follow her, I should go with her, and we get to the side of the road, and I am, tr I am worried, so worried, because I've never been in an accident. All I know is like, you gotta do the insurance thing, right? Like, let me get the insurance, and so I get the insurance, and I walk out to meet her, and I, and, and I am so scared. At 18 years old, I have no idea what's going on. I'm like, man, I just hit this lady, and I don't know Jesus, to the hole in the I don't know Jesus at all, okay? I have no idea who God is, never cared about it. I thought God was a crutch. I thought people that couldn't live their own lives needed God. That's what I believed. And I get up to this lady and I'm like, all right, let's get the insurance and let's go. And she says, hold on. You need to stop running from God. I'm talking about 99 South with these cars flying by and this older lady is telling me, you need to stop running from God. And I'm like, I don't want to hear this. You know, okay, let me get the insurance. And she's like, listen, you need to start running from God. He's, you know, he's chasing after you. I said, okay. And so I left that. I didn't even care what she had to say, really. I'll be honest with you. Two days later, I go see my grandfather in the hospital. He's, he was a pastor for 60 years. And he says, listen, God's been talking to me in the hospital. Uh, and he wants you to stop running from him. He's chasing after you. And I'm like, this is crazy. He's saying the exact same thing that lady said. But I'm like, all right, pops. And this is what I, I really, I thought, I thought this before I left to Arizona. I said, this, he's, been, he's been running after, he's been like doing God things for 60 years. That's something that he would say. Like, of course he would say that. But when I got to Arizona for the next three nights, I kept hearing this voice in my, in my head, stop running after God. I'm mean, stop running from, away from God. Stop running away from God. And for three nights, I can't sleep. I promise you, every night, I'm just hearing this voice. Stop running from God. Stop running from God. And on the fourth night, I get on my knees and say, God, if you're real, show me because I want to sleep. Let me sleep. God, if you'll show me who you are and let me sleep, I, you know, my life is yours. That night, Jesus walked into my room. I want you to understand something. For me that didn't know Jesus, that didn't know God, I didn't, to me, it's blasphemy in my head now. But then I was like, whatever. It was as if I found out magic was real. It was a phenomenon. It was as if the world was not, the world I was living in wasn't real. It's a lie because there is a God. I want you to understand something. I wasn't saved by a Bible study. I wasn't saved by a scripture. I was saved by God's presence. He actually showed up in the room and showed me that he was real. And from that moment on, I've been chasing after his presence for 11 years now, just to come here to this day to tell you, run after God's presence. You want to know how to be free? Run to his presence. You want to know how to be effective? Run to his presence. You have full access. Would you stand with me? Jesus, we love you. I want to pray with you. And then we're going to worship and then we can go to lunch, okay? God, we love you.
Jesus, we love you, Lord. We need your presence, Lord, daily. Yes, God, we need you, Jesus. I pray over Mosaic Life, Lord, that you would bless them with your presence, Lord. God, that they would dwell with you, Jesus, that they would be transformed by your movement in them and outside of them, God, that they'd live a life of personal revival, Lord, that they wouldn't we speak to you, Jesus, that you'd answer, Lord, that they wouldn't come to you, Lord, you'd respond, my God, with your tangibility, Lord, that they'd fill you in their cars, that they'd fill you in their homes, Lord, that they'd fill you at work, my God, begin to move amongst these people, Lord, amongst this church, my God, in the pastors, in the leaders, in the workers, my God, and in the congregation, Lord. We bless your holy name. We thank you, my Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray.